Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast, the first official podcast of the 2023 football season. And there's no one I would like to be with more than Dynasty X Factor. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Honored to be here for the first episode of the season. Um, it's going good, man. Back from the honeymoon, getting back into it for football season. Looking forward to talking about this very strange game we had last night very strange and i actually had the pleasure of watching the game live with you i'm out on the east coast uh didn't get in a live podcast last night but uh gonna talk about the game this morning i think there's a lot of interesting takeaways to uh to go from here so who who do you think which player do you think had the game that changed your opinion of him the most oh uh I mean, I don't think a lot of opinions changed, but there was a lot of, I guess, validation behind my belief of Sam Laporta. Um, Mm -hmm. Sam Laporta was a guy that, you know, I was excited about, uh, but I didn't, you know, I don't really like rookie tight ends uh, for my lineup, you know, but he looks like he's going to be a a thing as soon as this season. So Sam Laporta is a guy I'm looking at and I'm like, all right, he's, uh, he's a player. Yeah, I think that's a very valid takeaway, and it's it's hard to come away from that game with any other takeaway. Sam Laporta had five catches with 38 yards. I, I don't even think he looked that impressive. I mean, he didn't break any tackles after the catch. He was kind of just catching these simple short passes, uh, finding holes in the zone. But what it does show is that Laporta is going to play a lot, and that is, of course, very important, especially for a rookie tight end. Uh, Looking at Laporta's numbers from yesterday, um, he ran 26 routes, was in for 32 pass snaps, um, and uh, there were only 38 dropbacks in the game. So he was in for about two-thirds of the routes, which is very good for rookie tight end, and you'd think that would only increase over time. Yeah, I saw somewhere it was 71% of the routes, and he was targeted on 19% of the the routes he ran, which is quite impressive for a first game for a rookie tight end. Yeah, absolutely. And if, I mean, if he keeps that up, you know, is if he's going to get 90 ish catches, he'll be, you know, around a low end tight end one. And for a rookie, that's certainly impressive. I mean, his his dynasty value is already pretty high. Last I checked, he was tight end nine. Um, I don't see it significantly going higher, but if he really is going to put up an 800 yard rookie season, you could see him even surpassing oh. guys like like Pat Fryermuth, maybe maybe get up to Dallas Goddard level. I, I mean, you could definitely see that, but I, I'm not sure I see 800 yards from him. Uh, we, we will see. I mean, like he definitely had very good usage in this one game. Uh, let's see if he continues. And we also need to see what the offense is going to look like when Jamison Williams returns week seven. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's kind of where I wanted to go to next was that this Lions offense really just wasn't that impressive. I mean, they had the pick six. They had that fumble in the red zone, of course, that kind of cost them another scoring opportunity. But the Lions only had five yards of play. They put up 360 yards. It's it's not awful, but you and I were talking before the game. We had some hopes that the Lions could be potentially the best offense in the NFL. Like, they have a great offensive line. They have this dual threat at running back. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. Are you disappointed in the Lions this first game, or is it kind of just at least from an offensive perspective, or is it le- or is it just like jitters just had to get them out? Yeah, uh, you know it's the first game of the season. Hard to read too much into it. Um, 
it, it seemed like Goff was a little bit off. He was he, yeah. he was throwing the ball quite light. Um, you know, there's a lot of new players in 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 Detroit. There's a lot of young guys playing. They didn't have Jamison Williams. Uh, I wasn't too, you know, troubled by their offense, other than the fact that they kept feeding David Montgomery the same way they did Jamal Charles, which makes no sense when you have the superior, clearly superior, clearly more explosive back in Jamar Gibbs just tearing it up, and then you're going to go, you know, two yards, two yards, two yards, punt the ball. It just does not yeah, make and, sense. Yeah, and I definitely want to get in. I you said Jamal Charles, which I think was a Freudian. Jamal Williams, sorry, because uh, Jameer Gibbs looked a lot like Jamal Charles yes, on his limited workload. Um, but before we get into the running backs, I, I want to touch a little bit on Jamison Williams because looking at this game, it really just showed how much they need a guy like Jamison Williams. We saw Josh Reynolds get six targets. We saw Marvin Jones gets five targets and he was terrible with two drops and the fumble, of course, that cost them probably six points. Jamison, we we noticed a lot and kept on yelling at the screen. Why are they designing touches for Marvin Jones, for Josh Reynolds on these screen passes? And you correctly pointed out, you can't throw it to Mo Ross St. Brown every time, right? You have to keep the defense honest at times. And they just don't have anyone else in the receiving room. It's just a bunch of Jags out there. So when they get Jamison Williams in, if you scheme up two touches for him a game, you hit him a few times on these deep routes. Khalif Raymond ran that deep post that you would assume Jamison Williams would run. There's a lot of room in this offense with a lot of focus on Amon Ra and Jameer Gibbs and Montgomery in the short intermediate area of the field where you could imagine Jamison Williams could have a pretty big second half of the year, assuming he's not terrible, which we just don't know yet. Absolutely. And, and that's the key. He needs to not be terrible. Otherwise, he's going to look like Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore out there. But um, that's a that's a story for later in this podcast. But uh, there's definitely room for Jamison Williams in this offense, even with Amon Ross St. Brown being that guy. Right. Like there's enough touches to go around. It's clear that Detroit's probably going to sink themselves in a hole and then have to fire away at the end of the game. And that's beautiful for a deep threat like JMO. And ultimately, if Jamison Williams isn't just this fast burner, I mean, there's some mid-range game there too because Amon Ra's not taking over the entire field. They need a complementary receiver for him. There is room in this offense for two really good receivers. Yeah, 100%. And obviously, last time we saw Jamison Williams, he put up 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns in the SEC. So it, that was come around? two years ago. I – Listen, I don't hate players. I hate the price. And I didn't like the Jameson Williams price when he was a fifth round startup pick. He's currently the 7.11, 7.11 in startup drafts going as the wide receiver 34. I am I have him as the wide receiver 25. So at this point, I am buying him versus market. I think that he is a good investment at ADP just because of the cost. Like I look at a guy like Michael Pittman. I would much prefer Jamison Williams. Michael Pittman's a guy who's going to give you, you know, 11 points with a quarterback who's going to throw the ball like 15 times a game. I would much rather take Jamison Williams there. I could see an argument for him over Terry McLaurin, over Amari Cooper. Um, you can probably use Elijah Moore at this point to get Jamison Williams. That's another deal I'd look at getting. So I, I'm I'm in on him relative to cost. All right, let's move on. Of shooting out an offer of Elijah Moore plus for, for Jamison Williams. Uh, I th also think the Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper ideas are good. I think a, a contender 
would definitely entertain shipping out the unknown for somebody who's going to give them weekly wide receiver two potential wide receiver one weeks. Yeah, I mentioned JMO was wide receiver 34. And the next, basically the next seven receivers on that list are all vets. So we got Christian Kirk, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, and Elijah Moore slots in there as well. I think a lot of win now teams would probably trade Jamison Williams for any of those seven guys I mentioned. So Mm. if you're looking to rebuild a little bit, that's a pretty good move to make. I mean, you don't have to worry about Jameson Williams scoring points for the next month. That's for sure. And then hopefully you get some upside on the back end because the, the lions, I mean, what we saw in this game was both the lions and chiefs need a lot of help in the receiving room, obviously outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I saw you tweeted this morning and we were talking yesterday that you were impressed by Amon Ross St. Brown. You've, been a little bit slower to come around it it wasn't the biggest game for him right he was a solid game eight targets six catches for 71 yards and a touchdown but what impressed you about ARSB yesterday you know ARSB early in his career had a knack for just finding the soft spot in the zone planting himself getting the ball and turning up field and you know there's a lot to be said for a player who can just eat up those targets and move the chains and what he's really done now or what he looks to have done this year is add an extra crispness to his routes. You know, like his footwork seems super clean. He looks like he's becoming quite a technician in and out of his cuts. And if he's going to be a person that's just savvy all over the field, knows where the entire defense is at all times and can manipulate his body however he wants to do it. I mean, there's nothing that's stopping him from being an absolute top notch receiver. Um, There's nothing, I mean, he's a strong player. He's a fast player. So I don't really see any holes in his game at this point. And it's clear that the Lions are making him the absolute focal point of their passing game. Um, The other thing I was a bit concerned about is, you know, you you go and put a top 12 pick into Jamison Williams, who's got all the physical attributes you want in a receiver. Um, It's kind of hard not to see if that could be the focal point of your, of your offense, but to be honest, if Jameson Williams hits his absolute ceiling and he kills it in Detroit, uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown is good enough of a player where he's still going to get hit. So I'm not seeing these nine, 10 targets a game going anywhere. Uh, and if he's going to get 10 targets a game and bring in seven, eight of those and pop in a bunch of touchdowns here and there, I mean, he's going to be a wide receiver one every year. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. I'm all wheels up on I'm on right at this point. Yeah, me too. And and I, I have been for a while. Like I I honestly thought this was more of a floor game for him. Obviously, he got the touchdown, which is nice. Uh, seeing seeing some more positive touchdown regression compared to last year. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the field stretcher will really help Jamison Williams. I thought that will really help Amona St. Brown. I thought his route running was crisp and he he looked really strong and was using leverage in the deep part of his routes a little bit better than I saw last season. So I'm I'm definitely very excited for him. Uh, let's talk about the running backs in Detroit. It was a little bit disappointing for Jameer Gibbs from a usage perspective. Um, we saw David Montgomery get the lion's share, no pun intended, of the snaps. Um, he played 55 of the 70 snaps. Jameer Gibbs played basically a quarter of the snaps. He only ran nine pass routes on 37 dropbacks. He just didn't get the usage that we wanted. But let, let's go back to the usage in a second. How do you think Jameer Gibbs looked? 
Uh, incredible. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Like, every every I, time I, he touched the ball, it was just like magic, you know, like he he making people miss on the outside and then just smashing people. I, I don't care if he's 199, if he's going to belt you onto the ground. Like he is, he's a grown ass man knocking NFL players over, um, you know, and he's so freaking fast. Like he will be parked and then just shoot to top speed in no time flat. It is incredible. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly impressive. I think you mentioned it, the the breaking tackle ability and the strength that he showed was what really surprised me. On only seven carries, Jameer Gibbs had six missed tackles. He had four and a half yards after contact per attempt. Compare that to David Montgomery, who had four missed tackles on 21 carries. You can really just see the difference in explosiveness between the two players. It's not even close. Like, Jameer Gibbs just eats up ground. He is so fast. He has such good acceleration. And there are parts of his game, he missed a hole on one of his runs. There are parts of his game that needs to improve. But once he gets consistent playing time, like I hated how they used him. They put him in for a snap, then played David Montgomery for four snaps in a row. And it's hard to get any type of rhythm that way. But And he only ran nine routes, as we said. Two of them were from out wide, two from the slot, two from the backfield. Sorry, five from the backfield. He got two targets on those nine nine pass routes. I, I think he looked as good or better than I expected. I thought his contact balance was better than I expected. He he looked fast against NFL players. I mean, he is fast. I, I, I think it's all wheels up for Gibbs. The question is, when do you think the usage might take up? You know, I'm I'm staying as far away from that question as I possibly can. As <laughs> as a DeAndre Swift truther over here. Um Dan Campbell is an interesting guy, and he he I think he really does buy into the traditional smash mouth type football mentality. And so there, there's I think part of him that's just gonna say big body, big hit, and like say, yo, David Montgomery, here's 15 carries, go get me two two yards each time. Like we just want to rack up those hits and see what happens so I can open up my Ferrari and hope that he hits on the three plays that I give him. Um you know, like, so I don't know what Dan Campbell's going to do. I'm I'm hopeful, and I think Jameer Gibbs is totally capable of being a bell cow. Like, I'm not worried about his size. I think he's tremendous. Um, I think that he should be getting 20 to 25 touches per game. Uh, but with Dan Campbell, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit wary about, you know, what's going on in his head. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to see. I... I think the difference between Gibbs and Swift, first of all, I think Gibbs is just a better player. Also, mm-hmm. I think that Gibbs, I mean, Gibbs was drafted number 12 overall. He was drafted by this regime. There is a certain level of investment that they have. And I do think it'll go closer to a 50-50 split. And listen, Gibbs got nine touches today. If he gets that up to 15 to 17 touches, he's going to be absolutely dominant because he has the ability to pick up six yards of carry and eight yards of reception and scores and touchdowns. I think uh, it was it was Akash at YZR Fantasy that tweeted out notable rookie RBs and their week one carries from the recent past. Jonathan Taylor with nine, DeAndre Swift with three, J.K. Dobbins seven, ETN with four, Kenneth Walker with four, Brees Hall with six. And of course, Gibbs had seven. So he's right in that range. Looking back to 34 years ago today, Barry Sanders was only given nine carries in his wow. first game with the Lions. So I'm not saying that that's... 
it's it's something to think about. And Jameer Gibbs is only 199-ish pounds. So I, I understand working him in slowly. And Dan Campbell said he was going to work him in slowly. I'm not moving Gibbs down, honestly. I feel better about Gibbs today than I did yesterday. If there is any dip, buy it. But I, I don't think there will be. No, I 100% agree with that. He's still my RB, uh, RB3 overall. Um, I would also buy him. My my hesitation is on what his usage will be. Um, at the end of the day, I still think he's going to score fantasy points, right? Regardless of if he gets the bell cow uh, role, which would make him an absolute, unbelievable, top-notch CMC-level asset. Um, he should be a guy that should be able to get at least 15 touches with a good chunk of those being receptions and plenty of touchdowns just on the sh- his sheer ability to have big plays. Um, so he's going to be good. Like this is an excellent football player. The question is, what is his ceiling? And his ceiling is going to depend on what's in Dan Campbell's head. Yep, absolutely. Definitely. Definitely agree there. And and I know like Alvin Kamara, for instance, was not drafted particularly early but he had a slow start to his rookie year as well ended up with 81 catches and was a top 40 running back that season so once again i'm I'm not particularly worried about jameer gibbs um particularly from from a dynasty perspective um just to add some more numbers there uh alvin kamara in his first four games got 15 carries total um, he, he, he did happen to get over 30 targets, sorry, 28 targets in those first four games, which we would love to see from Jameer Gibbs. And hopefully we will in the future. Um, anything else on Detroit before we talk about Casey? Nothing. No, I think that's it. All right. So let's start off with Casey with just the receiving room. I mean, whether you want to start with Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, we can get a little optimistic with Rashi Rice. What do you make of this receiving performance where I think it's pretty obvious that they cost the Chiefs this game? Like the Chiefs were the better team here. The Chiefs, I think it was eight drops they recorded in the game. One of them obviously turned into a pick six. What's your takeaway from the Chiefs receiving room? It's really, really disappointing, right? You have a half a billion dollar player in Patrick Mahomes, who's probably the best player in the sport. And you surround him with just complete trash, like, Come on. I mean, like, yes, we understand that he's out of this world good, but I mean, he'd be even better if you just gave him some help. It doesn't even have to be like anything that's super special, like give him some sort of competence surrounding this team. And and if they don't go out and get somebody and Travis Kelsey isn't healthy for whatever period of time, I mean, they might be in some serious trouble because there was not a single player on that field with Mahomes who showed any sort of competence. And and competence is the key word because we've seen flashes from Rashi Rice, or sorry, from Kadarius Tony. We've seen flashes from Marquez Valdez Scantling over the years, but there's no competence and consistency play to play. And we saw Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's always a guy who's going to improv a little bit, but he was rarely throwing to his first or second read. He was sitting back there in the pocket, scrambling around even more than usual. And I think it's just because he didn't trust any of his players to be open and in the right spot on time when he expected them to be there. And Travis Kelsey, listen, he he might have played today, uh, yesterday, so I don't think he has a serious injury, but he's turning 34 years old in less than a month. And 
he's coming into the season with a knee injury. That is not a formula that you want. So my next question for you, Mike Evans or Marquise Brown, who would you rather see in, uh, in Kansas city? Marquise Brown, uh, just, you know, somebody who can go down the field and let Mahomes just absolutely just toss it. I think Mike Evans isn't the best fit. Uh, I think it would be definitely the best receiver that Mahomes has, and it would do tremendous things for that offense. But Mike Evans is not the same. I, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's interesting. I think that Kelsey and Evans are actually slightly redundant in a way. I do yeah. think that adding adding Hollywood would give a new dimension to this offense that they really need. Um, not he's not Tyree Kill, but he could do some similar things at a worse level than what Tyree Kill did for this offense. And I do think they miss that. I mean, listen, the Chiefs are an incredible team. They won the Super Bowl last year. I don't think there should be any any panic going up yet. But I think Marquise Brown's a great fit. Uh, both him and Evans are uh, upcoming free agents after the season. I don't think the price would be high. Um, obviously, Arizona does not want to win this year, so I could see them trading Marquise Brown for. I don't know, a third round pick, uh, maybe Kansas City second round pick, which is going to be late. Um, and I, I think that's a deal that I would make, assuming you could sign either Hollywood or Evans to a you know logical extension. Um, let's talk about the receivers, though. I want to actually start with Kadarius Tony because he had one of the weirdest and worst games I have ever seen. Uh, my favorite stat coming out of this game was that he had a negative six uh, uh, expected points added, uh, negative, negative two expected points added per target. Uh, oh, sorry. He had a negative 10 expected points added negative two per target, which means each time you threw him the ball, you were worsening your chance of winning the game by two points, which is just ridiculous. However, he did have a five targets on 11 routes run, which is a crazy target share. They're clearly targeting him and trying to use whatever his hypothetical skill set may be, but he looked lost out there. He was only credited with three drops. I thought it was four drops. Uh, he caught one of the five targets. Anything to say about just this terrible, terrible Kadarius Tony game? This is why I got kicked out of New York, right? Like he doesn't care about the details of the game. And, like, he's got talent. Like, the guy can break your legs. He's super quick. Like, he clearly has skill. Uh, but if you're not going to care about, like, what act it actually takes to <laughs> – I don't know, man. Like, there was a play where Mahomes was through the ball, and it, like, hit him right in the hands. And then all of a sudden, he, like, turns his head up field, hits him in the chest, and it's a pick six. Then the, the next time he, he, get, he gets thrown the ball, he's, like, doing, like, some sort of – Circle pirouette is circus pirouette. I have no idea. It was it was so bad. Like at the the throw down the field, where it was a tiny bit behind him, but he went to catch it with his biceps. Like he didn't even use his hands. Um, he he really just doesn't seem focused on the game. And you understand why he only plays ten snaps a game because you can't have him out there unless he's getting the ball. Cause he's just the type of player who's not going to run his route unless he knows he's the first option. Um, he's an explosive player, but I, from a fantasy perspective, I don't see him ever being relevant enough to consider starting on a weekly basis. Yeah, no, I'm totally out on Tony. I have been for a long time, but it's also one of those guys where it's just like, you can't trust him to stay healthy. Even if, you know, he's around, he, he hasn't shown the ability to, uh, 
stay on the field and he's not built like a guy that you would expect that uh, could withstand significant hits anyway. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and Tony's dynasty value, it's been awful all summer. I mean, he's been going in the 10th round in the same range as guys like Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Rashad Bateman, uh, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs is going two rounds behind him. I'd like all of those guys over Tony significantly. I would even take Nathaniel Dell and Romeo Dobbs who are going, you know, four rounds after him. So I, I'm completely out on Tony as well. I'm pretty sure Tony's living on that one game that he had that was like a flash in the pan. And then everybody's just like, oh my God, what if he does this every game of the season and just never going to happen again? I, to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he never gets a target again after the last game. That was one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen in my life. I think there's a strong chance he's not on Kansas City by the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see another team quit on him uh, for sure because he, he cost them that game last night. There, there's no other way to say it. Would another um, team take a chance on him after he gets kicked out of New York for literally not going to practice, then goes to Kansas City? completely blows at an empty depth chart with uh, Patrick Mahomes and almost single. He may be the sole responsible party for their loss last night. He is. um, Would another team take a chance on him? You know what? If they get Marquise Brown, they could send Kadarius Tony back because he would be excellent for the Cardinals tank. Right. Like if you think about it, he, he, he could just be himself. He wouldn't even have to purposefully tank and he would make sure the Cardinals get Caleb Williams. So that's probably the route. I would be investing for the Cardinals, huh? Yeah, no, that, that wouldn't be bad. Uh, there's, there's a, there's, it's more of a basketball thing, but getting one of these chuckers who just puts up huge usage rates on a terrible team. That same seems like what Kadarius Tony is meant for. I think we need um, to send this one into the GMs. This is a, this is a blockbuster in the making. Send it in. Yeah, the Cardinals should send an extra like fifth round pick back to Kansas City just for the privilege to get Tony to to help their tank. Um, A guy who I was obviously much higher on coming into this week, coming into the season uh, was Sky Moore. Um, And he he was out there a lot. Right. He ran twenty nine routes, you know, over 70 percent of their routes. He was playing in the slot for most of the game. Um, About half of his snaps came from the slot. The issue was that half of his slot, half of his snaps were also coming with these fake jet sweep handoffs. He was used in motion a lot, used as a decoy a lot, didn't see a target for the first three quarters of the game, then received three targets, didn't make the most of them. Um, two of them were pretty uncatchable. One of them kind of got broken up. He finally did get a catch, pretty nice, and it was called back for holding. Pretty much just a disaster game for Sky Moore. The usage as far as routes run was okay, but, you know, like 11% targets per route run, that's not going to do anything for him. Are you giving up on Sky Moore, or how do you feel about him? You know, I've never really been in or out on Sky Moore. It's just one of those guys where we're going to see what happens here. There's certainly an opportunity for him, Uh, and he has, you know, there's some things to like. He was a crafty route runner coming out. I think, you know, it's pretty it, it's pretty upsetting to see him really not produce at all with Kelsey out. Yeah. Uh, that being said, this whole game for the Chiefs offense was a shit show. Uh, it is game one. There's going to be many more games this season with the Chiefs having no real help at receiver. 
Um, so I don't think this is the last time Sky Moore gets an opportunity. And uh, it doesn't hurt him that Tony was so embarrassingly, embarrassingly bad that, you know, they're going to have to feed whatever's planned for Tony elsewhere. What was concerning for me about Sky Moore was that it seemed like on, you know, half of the plays the Chiefs ran, they would take him at the beginning of the play and run him behind the line of scrimmage completely to the other side of the field, which essentially means he's not running a real route or he's taken out of the play completely. So, you know, I think the snap rate that he had is a little bit misleading because he can be on the field without actually participating in the play. Yeah. And, and I will say it doesn't look like Mahomes has a lot of confidence on him. Uh, the first play of the game, he ran kind of a slot wheel route, uh, got a little pick play from Marquez Valdez-Scantling and was wide open down the field. Mahomes didn't throw the ball. Uh, third and four, which was a big play in the last drive of the game, Skymore was wide open 20 yards down the field. Again, Mahomes pump fake, didn't let the ball go, um, and then ended up basically just throwing it away. Um he doesn't have confidence in him, which is not at all what he said before the season. But as we all know, don't listen to any of that coach speak or player speak in this case. It's just really disappointing. But listen, I'm not going to advise anyone to buy. I was obviously very wrong about how Sky Moore would do this week. I've been high on him for a long time. What I will say is I posted a Twitter poll today that already has 900 votes and a 2024 third currently has 50%, 55% of the votes over Sky Moore, if you can get him for that, that is worth it because that is literally just a, a dart throw. Um, Sky Moore, you couldn't get him for a 2024 second uh, yesterday. So the fact that his value is falling like three three x in one day, that doesn't make sense. And Kadarius Tony isn't coming to take his job. So I, if you can really get him for a third, I would do it. That being said, if if you can flip him for you know, a win now guy who might help you a little bit more like a James Connor. Um, I would consider that, you know, a Gabe Davis, I'd probably do that, but I, I, I get it with Sky Moore, especially because Rashi Rice looked pretty good. And this is a guy that I don't think you or I rate very highly. Um, the touchdown was a pretty easy catch. He did have three targets for 30 yards and a touchdown. Do you think Rice is going to see his usage expand at all? I think it's possible. I, I think yeah. that there's nothing stopping him from having increased usage other than somebody coming in. Um, so yeah, probably. I think the Chiefs overall are going to have to rejigger this offense and uh, you know figure something out because whatever they had drawn up for this week clearly didn't work. Clearly didn't work. And uh, to be honest, I thought Andy Reid coached a terrible game um he kicked field goals on fourth and two and fourth and three and punted on fourth and four also he could go for it on fourth and 25 late in the game like that's that's just bad coaching uh bad management there I saw one tweet earlier today I'm I'm gonna try to look for the owner because I I do want to credit it it was a very cool idea uh Steve Ryder at avoid the big so fourth and 25 KC is down one should they have, instead of trying to convert the fourth down, should they have run backwards to their own nine-yard line, taken a knee, then the Lions could not have gotten a first down to run out the clock because the Lions would have either had to score a touchdown or kick a field goal, which means Casey would have gotten the ball back and still only been down eight. 
So I did the math behind this play. That would have been a positive EV play, a crazy thing to do, similar to when the the Patriots took that intentional safety, what, like 20 years ago now. Um, But I I thought that was a cool idea. Uh, Not blaming Andrew Reid for not doing that, but I thought that was a cool idea that I heard earlier today. I mean, if they took Pacheco and did that, brought him made him run backwards to the one, it probably would have been the most productive thing he did all day. <laughs> That's very true and a good segue to talk about Isaiah Pacheco and the running backs in this game. Um, listen, I don't think any Chiefs running back is going to be good this season. I think the Chiefs running back situation has been a trap for a very long time. Just because it's a good offense doesn't mean that the running back is always going to be good. Um, we saw Isaiah Pacheco get eight carries. We saw Clyde Edwards Alaire get six carries. Um, Pacheco added four receptions in the in the passing game. I don't see that continuing in the future. Jarek McKinnon was awful and dropped one of his only two targets. That was a pretty bad drop. I know you were saying the whole game, look at CEH go. He tries so hard. He's chugging. He's he's pushing the line back. Are any of these players worth rostering at all? Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, man. He tries so hard <laughs> He's like Thomas the tank engine I've never seen a, a player just try so hard for like just one yard but um yeah. no I, I I don't know I think rostering wise you know Clyde Edwards Lair maybe because as you said Jarek McKinnon uh didn't look good um Isaiah Pacheco got four targets and that's weird um Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a receiving back and they do need to retool this offense I could see them leaning on him in the passing game moving forward. Um, that could be an interesting thing to keep an eye out for. But, you know, not really. I wouldn't I wouldn't spend any sort of uh, draft capital or any put any assets into getting these guys. Isaiah Pacheco, I, I just don't think he's very good. I think he's a worse version of Daryl Henderson. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you're, you're really just hoping – um <laughs> it's, it's, it's just blind it's just blind hope at this point so pacheco ran 19 routes yesterday uh clyde edwards Hilaire only ran eight again that's just bad coaching i don't understand that at all pacheco had 19 catches all of last season he doesn't have any receiving pedigree he he doesn't have many skills honestly like i he was doing this weird thing yesterday where he was basically like doing high knees on his run for no reason. Like he wasn't in the open field. He was just lifting his knees up super high and not moving forward. I, I don't understand the Pacheco thing at all. I think if you can get any second round pick for Pacheco, I would do that now because he's the type of guy where he needs a touchdown to be successful. And you look at his ADP, it is still pretty high. He's back-to-back with Alexander Madison right now. He's only five picks behind James Cook, Zach Charbonnet, Aaron Jones, and he is ahead of Devon Chain, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Kentre Miller. I'm taking all of those guys over Pacheco easily. So I, I would absolutely advise trying to flip Pacheco based on the four targets that he got this game that he's unlikely to receive in the future. Yeah, do what you can to go from Pacheco to James Cook, and you will be very, very happy. Yeah, like I, I don't think you need to add a second to do that, but no. like I, I would, I would, but I don't think you need to. I think you can do Pacheco and Pacheco and two thirds, Pacheco and you know, honestly, Kadarius Tony. Like just, <laughs> I was just I, I would, throwing Sky. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge James Cook guy compared to you, but. If I can get any other running back in the top, you know, 35 for Isaiah Pacheco, I'm absolutely doing that. 
or flip him for a wide receiver who's got more potential to contribute now, uh, like, you know, the Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins range that we were talking about earlier. Um, any other take on this game before we sign off? Just really, really hope that the Chiefs can find some way to have, you know, an offense. I hope Travis Kelsey still Travis Kelsey. If not, it's going to be a very interesting AFC West because, uh, I mean, like, if the Chiefs are down, who's who's going to take that division? The, I mean, the Chargers are coming. I love the Kellen Moore acquisition for the Chargers. I think they're going to have a, a huge year and really push the Chiefs, give, give them a run for their money. You don't think Mr. Unlimited's coming for uh, for the title? I think Jared Stidham's going to be starting in Denver by uh, by week Ooh. nine. Um, there's there's been some noise. I, I wrote in my uh, week zero waiver wire column that Jared Stidham is a must add in all super flex leagues. He's still available in a lot of deep super flex leagues. Um, they gave him real money. They gave him ten million dollars guaranteed. Uh, and listen. Sean Payton did not go to Denver for Russell Wilson. He went to Denver for $20 million a year, and he loves the franchise. He does not love Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson worked out with Drew Brees all offseason. They're very close, and there are some rumors that Drew Brees did not like what he saw, and we know Sean Payton trusts him as well. We'll see what happens, but I, I, I could see Stidham taking over that job. I mean, that would be a disaster. That's a one-way ticket to Caleb. Yeah, I, I, I think it is, and I, I don't think Sean Payton would mind that either. Uh, yeah. Before we sign off, give me your top three players that you are looking forward to see on Sunday or Monday. Hmm, good question. Uh, I think James Cook, for sure. I want to see if he is uh, going to, you know, be the guy. Um, also really interested to see Darren Waller in the yeah. New York Giants offense. I mean, they're saying that he's going to be a focal point of that offense, and, you know, that will be really, really cool. Uh, and then let's see. Let's throw a wide receiver in there. Hmm. Traylon Burks, is he healthy? Yeah. And what is the impact of DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, those are great ones. I, I would say by three, I'm, I'm excited to see Dolph Kincaid. I, I know you don't think he's going to be used a lot early in the season. I I think we're going to see 60 to 70% snap rate. Um, Greg Dulcich, another tight end I'm high on. Really excited to see how they use him. Uh, There was a lot of noise that Adam Troutman's tight end won there. Doesn't matter. They don't consider Dulcich a tight end. They're going to use him as a weapon. So I'm excited to see him. And my last guy, going going back to our Michigan roots, I want to see Nico Collins with the new quarterback, whether he can really cement himself in that X role. I, I think we could see a little breakout, you know, 900 to 1,000 yards of Nico Collins this year. Uh, so I want to see how he looks week one. I like that Nico shout. He really could do something this year. And C.J. Stroud is a ball placement specialist. So he's got the QB he needs. Yeah, I really think Stroud and Nico is, is the best fit on that team. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Been a lot of fun going over this game. Was a lot of fun watching the game with you live yesterday as well. And I'm excited for this weekend. Um, I will be likely releasing a podcast sometime on Monday. I'm actually not watching the games live on Sunday. I will be pulling an all-nighter, catching up on all of them just because I'm out all day during the day. Uh, But I will get back to you with all my takes on Monday. And thank you all again, of course, for listening to the Dynasty Zone Talk Podcast.